Hey everyone, welcome back to the Think Truth Podcast. Drew and I are here today, as well as Kayla, to have one more conversation here about Christians and the relationship to novels. So we had an interesting discussion last time. Maybe we can do a bit of a recap to remember some of the main things we discussed um, for our, our listeners here. We talked about some of the reasons why people would feel like uh, reading fiction is, is a dangerous or unhelpful pursuit. And we talked about the concept of truth and what that means when we're talking about fiction. Um, Drew, say some more stuff about that. Yeah, well, I think it's this is where we brought in parables in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, because the objection to fiction is, well, it's not true. And so it's assuming from that that it's less meaningful. And we, we went in a little bit in how just, to, just because something isn't literally true doesn't mean that it isn't true. And the concepts and ideas and emotions and feelings that are expressed um, in fiction are, say, in the parables of Jesus are very, very true in the one sense, even if... Th- these are not examples of something that actually happened mm-hmm. in a specific time and place situation. Yeah, we talked also about how do novels, how can novels affect us positively in ways that, that other um, genres can't. Kayla, maybe you want to give a recap of some of that. Mm-hmm. So we talked about how novels are very emotionally compelling, more so than a lot of other genres of literature, and how that can speak to us personally more than other kinds of books can and make us look at our lives and in very personal ways um, that can change we can change our lives and mm-hmm. and to good um, and get a, just to look at also characters and inner their inner thoughts and feelings and I think they can make us more sympathetic mm-hmm. and also recognize things within ourselves mm-hmm. um, where we identify with characters and realize oh, yeah, I see that in myself, and that's not good. Mm -hmm. Finally, we were talking about fiction in Scripture and how there's actually a lot of kind of fictional things, you know, stories that were intended as right in the genre of of fiction to to make an intended point onto the audience, whether it's an allegory or parable or uh, other kinds of stories. It is, I think, an important point, especially because there are some people who say, like, we were just laughing about that uh, <laughs> that post you were talking about, where what was it? The lady said she only she just wants to read more more scripture and less fiction. Well, she basically said, "I decided I'd rather learn things rather learn things when I read and spend more time in God's Word." <laughs> Which, of course, spending more time in God's Word, fantastic. But it, it's almost like she. <laughs> you can't learn things when you read fiction. <laughs> yeah. First of all, there's this assumption that fiction is like you're not learning anything. It's just reading a bunch of things it's that aren't pure true. Pure entertainment. Yeah, and it, it just doesn't really speak to the fact that there's so much depth in fiction that can shape us in positive ways. But also, it's funny in the sense that scripture itself is has all sorts of fiction within it, which means that even if you (laughs) only read scripture you're still reading fiction so it's an inconsistency problem I really don't like it too when people um, criticize something other than reading scripture simply on the basis of it not being reading scripture Uh as if all activities in our life 
come back to reading scripture, which is just obviously not the case. So it's just an absurd argument against something to say, right. well, that'd be better to be reading my Bible. So, well, maybe. I mean, obviously, if you could only read fiction or only read your Bible, you'd read your Bible. But since when are we kind of putting things in such a dichotomistic Like, is eating, is eating not a good idea? Because you really should be reading scripture. I decided I was going to stop eating. and Stop and sleeping? I mean, sleeping is less important than reading scripture. Yeah, and also the thing of lumping all fiction together. Because, mm. like, fiction, yeah, too. fiction isn't good. Because okay. there's some bad fiction, so all fiction is bad. Kind of like right, some right. books are bad, so we should never read any books. Exactly. <laughs> right. But on the other hand, there are probably real concerns that we should talk mm. about. And um, I think some of the reason why there's this reaction to fiction is because some people have experienced times in their life where they were just feeding off of, you know, maybe not so great fiction. And they weren't at a good place spiritually when they were reading all that fiction. And when they finally were like, hey, I need Jesus, they were like, okay, everything about my former life or the way I was then, I should throw away. And so they kind of look at the reading fiction in general as kind of suspect because it was attached to their time of not being close to Christ, which is valid for them. Mm -hmm. But, of course, what's not valid is saying that, therefore, all fiction is bad because I attached it to my, you know, non-Christian time. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about what some of those valid concerns are. Mm. Well, I think a lot of the concerns, a lot of, are actually valid, or most of them are valid to some degree. Um, any any art form that is powerful can also be powerfully be used dangerous. for something that is evil. True. And I think a lot of fiction's strengths are also its greatest weaknesses. Um, for example, fiction is very emotionally compelling. And can that, if if the book is wrong and it gives wrong ideas of the world um, and you get emotionally involved in the book, it's going to affect you. Mm -hmm. I think especially the less logical of a person you are and the more you're persuaded by emotion, mm -hmm. the more powerful those sorts of things mm -hmm. are on you. Not that they're mutually exclusive because some people are very logical and also very emotional. But Maybe just to pick on something where fiction is, say, not true in a certain sense. Um, certain kinds of romance novels, for instance, are very much not true in the sense that they do not accurately represent life. They're in also usually way. horrible, horrible writing. Yeah. Which is, side note. <laughs> and they so, all have the same plot. Yeah. So, like, they're, they're, they're the objection that, hey, this isn't true, this isn't realistic, actually, I think... Mm -hmm. carries a lot of weight. The thing is with the novels I read, which of course, I mean, most novels have at least some degree of romance in it. Um, <laughs> you go away from it, think, I go away from it thinking, man, I'm so glad my romance isn't like this because it, it tends to almost be a little more on the dismal side of when things don't work out. Sure. Um, so but the it's, same thing applies on the opposite side. Unrealistic, um, you know, romances where where people are not really truly people, but just figment, figments of people's imagination. Or they're just stereotypes. Everything just, yeah, they're stereotypes. Yeah. Or everything just works out exactly the way you hoped. That's not real life. And mm. um, we certainly should be thinking as we choose our books what good writing is, because good writing matters for us as believers. Um, and also just thinking about what kind of, what kind of, bigger picture narrative is this story right. trying to push forward and if it's something that is really 
um, not true in real life in that bigger sense of uh, not really fitting reality or not being helpful, then absolutely we need to consider not reading those things. And I think that's where we have to give credit to critics of reading novels. And I think there are plenty of people who that has been their experience. Mm-hmm. They've read a bunch of these trashy romance novels um, and they like, you know, this just wasn't good for me. And I think we have to agree that, you know, there's a lot really of it wasn't. probably was not. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a whole category of fiction, um, say romance novels, that is completely separate from the kind of novels that we'd be promoting here. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's do two things. Let's talk a bit about what some of the dangers, let's continue talking about what some of those dangers are. But let's also tie it in with maybe some of the ways in which novels have positively affected our spiritual journeys. I think that could be a really good, um, a good exercise here. Um, well, one of the one of the dangers in fiction, and because they're so emotionally compelling, they can draw us in. And I think many people use fiction as a form of escape from their mm. life, and I think that is very unhealthy. But we can also use lots of other things for that, too, so that, yeah, that's more of a heart condition, I think, than also than just fiction's fault itself. Um, because I've read many books that have completely drawn me in, and maybe, you know, I sort of escaped from the world, but in the end, I came out with a viewpoint that I didn't have before I went into the book. Um, uh, for example... There's a book called The Oath by Frank Peretti. It's very symbolic. Um, he uses strong symbols that have stuck in my mind, and I don't think I'll ever forget them. Um, one of them is he portrays sin as a dragon that the people of this town have taken in, and they think they can control it. It's small. Mm-hmm. They are feeding it. They're in control. They use it for their purposes. Eventually, this thing grows until they cannot control it anymore and it destroys them. And that that made me think. And I hmm. still refer to that that symbol in it every time, you know, I think of sin. I think of that and I think that's it's really powerful. Fiction does that very well. I read the book by Charles Dickens Hard Times maybe a year ago. And it was interesting. Hard Times is a book with several plot lines that kind of flow together. There are some good parts and some... uh, Hard parts. (laughs) Some parts that are a little less well-written, I would say. But it talks about the effects of... um, of In in that particular story, there was a guy who thinks that, without spoiling the plot line for people, that the only thing that's important is teaching facts to children. And so he runs his school like that, he runs his family like that, and like facts are all that matters. It sounds connected and, to our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting is this guy's, watching the way this guy's family and his school works out, you realize the negative effects of that kind of mindset hmm. on viewing life in general when you view us simply as fact machines instead of as humans with emotions and relationships that go beyond just facts and it it really devastates his children and that kind of thing it it did shape me it's one of those things that will probably come back to me for the rest of my life and I'll think of 
I'll think of the writer and um, think of the schoolmaster who was so convinced that facts were most important. And it's uh, another one of those ways in which a novel, in this case, really did positively affect me and make me think about fact versus emotion and relationship and those things. Probably the most gripping novel I've ever read was Island of the World by Michael O'Brien. Have either of you read that book? I have not. I think I've read another book by him. But... I highly recommend the novel. Um, the writer is a Catholic, and there are certainly some Catholic um, sentiments that come out in it. But it is a story about the former Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia nations and some of the ethnic conflict and stuff, following the life of one man. One of the most brilliant novels I've ever written, and it, I've ever read, sorry, I didn't write that. I tone down the self-promotion here. <laughs> right. Uh, just absolutely well-written. And it's one of the most telling stories that I've ever read into what it's like as a young person growing up in a totalitarian regime. Wow. To, you have me sold. To like grow up in that and see what that's like and how it shapes everything about you. He goes, the, the, the guy in the story goes through an incredible amount of hardship and suffering, of course, living in a totalitarian regime. Um, and just seeing how it affects his emotions and his ways of looking at people gives me so much more empathy. I think about that all the time. I have a neighbor who's Bosnian. And I, ever after reading that book, whenever I think of him, I think of that book and I wonder what he went through. He's an older man now. But Bosnia was part of the former Yugoslavia. And just the amount of suffering that's there um, was tremendous, uh, tremendously horrible. But reading stuff like that connects one with the world of other suffering people in a way that few other things really do. You can't read a story, you can't read a news article and, and, and read. 100,000 people died in this horrible, you know, 10-day bombing and really get the picture of what that means for tens of thousands of families. You, you don't know, but you read one novel and you, suddenly you get it yeah. in ways that you hadn't before. What about you, Drew? We should hear from you as well. Sure. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's kind of hard for me to think of just one instance here, but I, I have to think of a book I just read a couple months ago. It's a, it's a recent book, actually, um, by the Japanese novelist uh, Katsu Ishigora um, called The Remains of the Day. It's about, um, it's set in, um, set in Great Britain um, as the time of the butlers um, for these rich noblemen was kind of phasing out and talking about the experiences of this, of this guy as he... As he's, as he's kind of been somewhat isolated from the rest of what's happening in England and just been serving this fictional character that actually ended up having ties to Germany during the world wars and all of this. And he slowly starts to realize what's happening. And it's, it's, it's just a deeply, deeply kind of gripping. It, it, it's written in, in first person. As you see him traveling throughout England and recognizing that this, that this world that he just kind of accepted without thinking twice about it, suddenly he's starting to see his world expanding and, and recognize that some of the things that he thought kind of exemplified greatness, um, he wasn't quite right about. And so maybe in some ways that seems um, 
dark in the one sense, it's kind of a work somewhat of doubt and reflection. But I think it's really good for us to see that, you know, many times in our own lives that we kind of have our own comfortable set of what we think um, life is and our idea of how things should be. And it's to have a person, I don't know, reading it, it just made me aware of times in my own life when I'm kind of stuck in my own idea of what I think um, is great and what's beautiful and how it needs to be expanded. And of course, in the one sense, it's sobering, but it's also kind of uplifting to think about ways that um, we can we can see our world world expanding in a, in a positive way. And of course, the author's not a Christian. It's not a Christian book. Um, there's not there's I actually more than most novels would just basically say anyone who wants to can read it. I don't think there's anything at all questionable about it. Hmm. Um, even in terms of it's not like it's it's not it's not like it's crime or sex or anything like that. In it. Um, yeah, definitely a book that really gets you thinking. And you, you read a book like that, you sit down for an hour and read a book like that, and when you get, get up and go about your life, you're just a lot more reflective and you see things mm-hmm. you wouldn't otherwise. And I, I find that very meaningful. After I read Island of the World, Vernon will tell you, because we were dating at the time, I actually skipped our date that night because I was so emotionally uh, like spent after reading the book. Good night, I was <laughs> I actually paced, what's that? Said good night. <laughs> that takes. I've a never lot. done that. I've never canceled a date for me. <laughs> and and Verna had shared the book with me originally, and she was thinking she was maybe regretting giving it to me. But <laughs> no, but I, it hit me so hard, partially because I see potentially in in our future, um, you know, in, in a lot of things that we could do as a couple later, the potential of. Um, separation or death in our relationship if we're going into difficult places with the gospel. And that was one of the things that separation and death um, occurred a lot in the book. And for me, dating right then and realizing some of the cost of what it means to be a disciple, what it could mean to be a disciple, um, it was on. It was simultaneously incredibly good and incredibly emotional for mm. me. I took a walk and I was just yeah. undone. But it was, it was good. It was good to work through that. So that's the power of fiction. Right. Well, here as we wrap this up, let's do two things. I think it'd be good to quick talk about some tips for how do you identify what is the best sort of fiction. Mm-hmm. And secondly, maybe we can give some suggestions of books for people maybe who haven't read a lot of good fiction. If you're wanting to launch into some good fiction that can... Uh, shape you in positive ways, hmm. what would that look like? Right. Well, just practically for me, um, most, of the, most of the books I've read, I've read because someone that I'm close to has read and recommended it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. honestly what it comes down to. And of course, once you read, once you read one novel by a certain author, you appreciate you're gonna, you might or that's recommended to you, you're going to say, I want to read some of his other work. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, there's very, very few things that that's not how it's come down. Or maybe it's been, you know, um, listening to a podcast or something. Jordan Peterson <laughs> says, check out this book. I've done that multiple times. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's, I never just go out. It's not like you go in on Amazon and type in, <laughs> good novel or something and somehow <laughs> I've you, done that. you've done that or similar I've, I've sometimes i've looked up like 50 top classes oh sure all time or that's something. a little different just go yeah. to a bookstore and read the backs and buy the right. ones that look interesting yeah. yeah but how do you tell 
how do you tell like what are the best sorts of, of fiction? Mm. Because anyone can come up with a novel, which sometimes is hard to tell from the cover. But I think certainly, yeah, you talk about recommendations. That's a that's a great way. Find people who do read deeply and ask them um, what are some great some great novels that you can start on, and look for look for good authors as well um, that write on a deep level. Um, and people may disagree about what sorts of lines they draw as well. I personally am pretty much, I pretty much draw the line on explicit sexual stuff in novels. Right. Um, and, but for me reading, and even a, a lot of grisly murder scenes and mm -hmm. stuff in books, uh, but everyone has their, their lines differently. But um, I think it is, it's good to, another thing I think is, it's, it's really good to keep a good balance of reading. Mm, for fiction sure. is extremely mm. good. Get your nonfiction in as well. Um, certainly don't react and just read fiction because both fiction and nonfiction have their have their places. Right. There are some great theological works that you that have shaped me in ways that fiction uh, different ways and than what fiction does. For sure. Um, so it's good to have read more. Both. Basically, read, read more. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I think getting recommendations from friends is definitely a great place to start. Um, if someone hasn't done a whole lot of fiction reading, as you read more, I I can pretty well read the blurb on the back of a book and I can tell whether I'll enjoy it or not, or mm -hmm. whether, most of the time anyways, whether it will have good, whether it will be true or not. Um, but you kind of have to be pretty well read. You have to kind of know what you enjoy and what you connect with. Um, but yeah, start out with recommendations for sure. Sometimes I don't know if a book is good until I've read half of it. And the more you read, the more it, the more you learn to understand what it makes up a good book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So read more. Well, maybe we can each give a couple of book recommendations here as we close. I'm going to definitely recommend Island of the World, as I alluded to earlier. Um, and also, I recently read *The Robe* by You're stealing my thunder, Lloyd Douglas. <laughs> ah, beat you to it. Um, I've read that too. It's fantastic. *The Robe* is an excellent exposition on what it looks like to live as a Christian in the first century, and what that meant, what it meant for the gospel to go into the Roman Empire and make an impact, um, tracing the life of a young Roman, obviously mm -hmm. fictional. Incredible book. That's uh, maybe going to be my second recommendation. Kayla. Well, I'm not going to, like, the one I recommend first is not necessarily going to be my top because I don't have them listed in order. Um, but I definitely recommend The Oath by Frank Peretti. Um, if you like allegory, uh, it also will keep you on the edge of your seat. It did me, made me look over my shoulder a lot. Um, but it's a great book. Also, Les Miserables by Victor Hugo is a great epic novel if you want to just get a large picture of the world. He also has just some fantastic ways of wordsmithing. Like, he's just, it's amazing. Like, there are some passages that you just want to read a couple times over just because they're so great. Mm. Um, but it's very, yeah, it's a fab book. That's a good one. Why did you make me go last? Because that was on my list too. Yeah. So. <laughs> but you don't know how to pronounce it, so I don't. No, so I'm so glad you did it for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I read a lot of classic fiction. Um, it's funny, I haven't read Hard Times, Elijah, but I've read a fair amount of Dickens. Mm -hmm. I like, I actually really like Russian fiction. Um, so like War and Peace, Tolstoy, Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky, stuff like that. But I'm not sure I would recommend those to someone. <laughs> you do not want that to be your first, your first novel, for sure. Um, I would say The Remains of the Day, which I mentioned earlier. It's a short 250 pages, something like that. I would definitely say that would be a fine book to start with. Um, man, um, read some Dickens. Um, I really like the works of Anthony Trollope. He's kind of a contemporary of Dickens set in kind of um, Victorian England. Very fascinating. Um, yeah, if you want to read want to read some Russian fiction. Um, don't start on War and Peace unless you're very dedicated. Um, <laughs> Terribly long. Yeah, very, very long. Yeah, it's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to pull out specific novels that I would just say for sure read, um, especially for, if someone hasn't read before. I think that's the thing with, 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 with fiction. It, you want to you wanna know what you're reading and have a reference for it, at least in my experience, before you just delve into it. Um, but yeah, I would say Dickens um, is a safe start. Good. Some great book suggestions there. Pick those up. And one tip is start small. Read a few minutes every day. Um, sometimes it's great to keep a book by one's bedside so you can just read a few minutes before you go to bed or keep it somewhere close where instead of grabbing your phone, pick up that book and read a bit of your, your next uh, novel. There's a lot of beautiful things to learn that will expand your horizons and give you more emotional depth and more words to express to mm -hmm. things that are, are deeper 